Hi, I'm Joanne Bregan. I was a nurse but wanted to go into teaching, so I did the postgraduate diploma in education practice at NCI. The course was excellent and everything I learned there, I definitely use now in my teaching career. When I see myself now, I see living proof that NCI really helped me find my path. On Wednesday, June 8th from 5 to 7 p.m., join us for NCI's on-campus open evening and learn about our full and part-time courses in business, computing, psychology and education. To register, visit ncirl.ie. The last word on Today FM with Matt Cooper. We're delighted now to be joined for the Culture Club, I think by one of the youngest people we've had on this part of the show. She's a multimedia content creator. She produced her memoir on shot last year and she joins us from her native Kerry, Unaming Kavanagh. Thank you very much for joining us here on The Last Word of Today FM. Thanks so much, Matt. Just briefly explain to me, multimedia content creator, what sort of things are you doing, I think particularly via YouTube? Oh, listen, Matt, it was one of those things where I, I couldn't figure out what to actually call myself for years because I did a bit of everything. So I kind of came to this premise that because I was doing so much online in terms of video, social media and generally things to do with things digital, I decided that this was the best way of encapsulating all the stuff that I do. So I primarily primarily basically work online, essentially. <laughs> but tell us a bit about the travel vlogs and the gaming videos which you do ask Welga. Yeah, I decided to do them in the Irish language because I noticed that there wasn't any or many people doing them at all. So on YouTube in particular, I try and do a monthly video in the Irish language that's accessible for people. Uh, I, I add subtitles both in English and in Irish to them and it covers everything from travel to gaming to minimalism to foraging in particular I'm really big into. So it's kind of, I suppose, a way of showcasing what I love and to show it as naturally as possible because I, that's how I utilise the language. Explain foraging to me. Oh, foraging, right. <laughs> so basically, I go out into the into the wild and I find wild food while on the coast, mostly because in Kerry, because we have just beautiful coastline here, as you, as you probably know yourself. But I know very well, I, yes. Oh, it's go we have gorgeous stuff. Not only do we have the scenery, but we also have the amazing amount of wild food available to us, too. So I love going. Such as? And, well, for example, by the seaside in particular, you find everything from sea spinach. Just this week, last weekend, I was out foraging for limpets. You know, those the shells that are, are stuck to the rocks. And I had I had them as a nice treat for lunch. So there's a bit of everything you can find on the coast. And it's all free, which is great. <laughs> and then gaming, Osgoelga, how much of a market is there for that? I think what's great about it is because it's so niche, it's that... I am predominantly the market, <laughs> which is great. And I think people come in to watch it in the Irish language because they're curious about, oh, well, how is this person utilizing the language to showcase gaming? And also, you know, you don't get a lot of opportunities to hear the language in a, such a modern way, I suppose. Um, so the audience can vary. I find that a lot of them come from abroad or else they're just a lot of them from school as well. But a lot of them are just interested in hearing the language more than anything. And what particular types of gaming are you interested in? A bit of everything. I think it depends on my mood. At the moment, I'm playing a lot of uh, Civilization VI, which is kind of a taking over the world scenario, um, dramatically building civilizations. Or, But the, the biggest thing really is that I'm able to talk to the audience live as I'm playing. So as they're watching me, I'm able to interact with everything that they're saying. So it's a very interactive experience and I can talk to them in English or in Irish. And what platform do you use? Do you use the PC or do you use other means? I actually use a bit of both. So at the moment, because I'm in Kerry and don't have my equipment, um, I'm using my 
uh, PC, but I also use the PlayStation to stream as well. Okay, you didn't bring your PlayStation home to Kerry with you, no? No, you know, I didn't because I didn't expect to be stuck down here in Kerry. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> you can't say you're stuck. <laughs> Kerry's the type of place you're not stuck in. You want to be there, surely. Ta- just <laughs> That's, bef- That's fair enough. Before we get into your choices, or just tell us a little bit as well, though, about the memoir that you brought out last year on Shaw. I mean, you're very young to be writing a memoir, but I think you have had a lot to experience, particularly in dealing with racism, haven't you? Yeah, and I think that's, I suppose, what makes it quite different because there aren't many memoirs, as you said, from a young person, but also a an Irish person of colour. And I think that's what was quite niche about this was that my story was different. You know, I'm adopted from Vietnam. I grew up with the Irish language in our household. My, uh, my granddad was a native Irish speaker. And so, but I've also with that experienced a lot of racism that I've had to deal with, particularly in a modern day society where I had to, where now, as I said, my work is predominantly online. So it's kind of a collection of thoughts throughout my upbringing and to where I am now and how I I dealt with all of that. And I was kind of surprised myself when I was um, pitched first to ask to write about my memoir. I I too was like, oh, I don't know if I have enough, but on reflection and on writing, it turns out that I did have a lot to say, which is great. (laughs) Okay, and when we're on writing, do you read a lot and what type of things do you read? I do read a lot. It's actually one of those things where I've tried, particularly this year, I, I was I was doing very well at the start of the year before the pandemic and once it hit, my concentration went bananas. It disappeared completely. But normally I like to read uh, mostly non-fiction these days, something, things that can help with my life. Um, but I do like to get into a, a good book. But I find that Oftentimes, if I'm just not feeling a book, instead of trying to force myself through it, I'm just going to put it down and say, look, that was not for me. So <laughs> well, we did ask you to nominate some books and you've particularly picked out one, which I suppose is maybe a, a young adult's book, isn't it? Louis Sacher's Holes. Yes. And that book came to me in such a long time ago. I think it was in 19, around 98 that it came out. And for me, it was it was one of those things that it had loads of interweaving narratives, which I was a big fan of at the time. And it is a young adult. Not, not Actually, you know what? It's probably more geared towards children. It's about a unlucky teenage boy called Stanley, Stanley Yelnats. And he's sent to a place called Camp Green Lake, which is basically a juvenile detention center in Texas. And after, this is after he's been falsely accused of, of theft and what really I loved about it was the fact that all the characters it was all about um, their their relationships with each other it touched on racism homelessness illiteracy and all that stuff was so new to me because I you know you you don't realize how many books you read that are just predominantly about white people all the time so it was very it touched me very much so because I was quite different as a person of color growing up in Chile. Yeah, I think, though, it's, it's been very popular. I mean, I know that book has gone through nearly all my children have read it at various stages going along. It's been a very popular one. But you've also nominated another writer that you particularly enjoy as Donal Ryan. Why so? I think he does an, an exceptionally good job at describing Irishness really well. And I think especially with um, From a Low and Quiet Sea, they're so emotive. And, you know, oftentimes you think people think that bigger books are better books. But whereas his are quite small, they're like novella size books. And I find that he just such does such an amazing job to fill the emotion within books without having to go on and on and on and <laughs> make it a convoluted piece altogether. So I think that's why. And we're very lucky to have such a talented writer like him as well. 
And I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. You also nominated Kevin Guyon's New Waves book. Is that how we're going to pronounce his name correctly? Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's Nguyen. How you, I, I think ah. is how you pronounce it. I but New Waves. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's it's actually it touched me because it's about a person who's a digital native who's all online. And again, it's one of those things. Maybe I maybe I'm drawn to them, but it talks about race exceptionally well and. It's just it, it's about a tech worker who named Lucas and it, it unfolds over a period in about 2009 in Manhattan. It's it's really good. It's it's about indirection, tracking, in, intrigue. It's it's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Do you read much Irish language novels and books? I try as much as possible. I have a ridiculous amount of Irish language books that I thankfully inherited from my granddad before he passed. Um, The thing is, though, a lot of them are nonfiction and they're just a bit harder, I find. Uh, But I think that's down to my own fluency. So I know that if I keep on reading them, I'll get much better. But I have, I think, over... Oh, I think I have a whole, over 100 Irish language books sitting on my shelf at the moment. <laughs> Listen, we better get into some clips. And I'm going to actually start with musical. You have nominated as your favourite musical, one that has been nominated by many of our guests here in the Culture Club over the last couple of years. It is so, so popular. But I imagine that given the way that it was done uh, and what you've just been talking about, you must have been fascinated by the idea of people of colour being involved in the stage show Hamilton. Yeah, and I think that's because as well, I'm one of those kids who had a background in musical theatre. I'm like a mini Billy Barry down in Kerry. And so I was always drawn to musical. But because of that, because it was such a, a showcase of of um, an interweaving story and song, and it's such an epic thing that took over the entire the entire planet. I mean, I only was introduced to it this year when it came out in Disney Plus. And I, I, I was trying to imagine to myself what it would be like to have a similar musical that captured Irish history that well and to inspire an entire country to del- delve into that as- aspect of history. Um, in terms of, like you said, the casting, the style of music and lyricism, it's just so culturally relevant to what's going on in the world today. And I, I think it's one of the best musicals that's ever been written, to be quite honest. Let's hear a little bit from the so popular Hamilton. Well, the word got around. They said this kid is insane, man. Took up a collection just to send him to the mainland. Get your education. Don't forget from whence you came. And the world's gonna know your name. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. There's a million things I haven't done But just you wait, just you wait When he was ten, his father split to full of it Dead to written two years later See Alex and his mother bed Written half dead Sitting in their own sick percent thick And Alex got better but his mother went Hamilton, that fantastic musical. Tell us, are you from the generation that you're in as somebody who hasn't reached the age of 30? How much have you embraced the podcast revolution? Oh, I absolutely adore podcasts so much. And I think that's because my mom and my granddad would, instead of TV, we would often have the radio on. We're big radio heads here. And then naturally transitioning to something that I could carry around into my pocket with me was very much inviting. So podcasts are pretty much a daily thing for me. And the choice kind of depend on what I'm focusing in on the moment. So give us recommendations. 
Right. So right now I'm listening to a podcast called Deep Questions by Cal Newport. And I'm also funny enough, just finished his book, Deep Work. And that's kind of he's a computer science professor uh, and he ha- his books have been bestselling authors in The New York Times. Uh, he has two digital minerals and deep work, but deep questions. He talks about technology and the way it can support or impede our efforts to live more meaningful lives. And I'm really into that at the moment in trying to see how how can how can I make it so that technology doesn't control me? Um, and so he asks the big questions and what means and what it means to have a deep life. And I, that's probably my favorite one at the moment. OK, and I mean, we actually have a clip from that. This is from Cal Newport. And I have been doing something in the past few days that I don't normally do. I am checking online news because I'm interested in the election results. And this is information that is coming out here in the U.S. intermittently. So it is taking a sense of intermittent reinforcement and supercharging it. Every time you click or refresh a a website or a feed, most of the time there's nothing there. Sometimes there's something there that is interesting. And sometimes there's really big news. Here's my assessment of this small multi-day experiment with constant intermittently reinforced internet checking throughout my workday. It's terrible. I hate it. I I have a, a sense of distraction that comes from all of the cognitive network shifting. I can't easily maintain a good sense of focus. It takes a lot more work than it normally does for me. Also, my nervous system feels exhausted. But here's the bigger point that this brings to mind. This is what every day is like for a lot of users of technology. Is that what you're listening to when you're out foraging, Unaming? <laughs> I know, it's a, it's a bit of a mad contrast, isn't it? You know, really. But yeah, I, I, I do listen to that. I tend to listen to that to kind of get my mind understand, you know, have a little bit of a break, I guess, in one way. <laughs> uh, I'm going to move to music because we normally start the Culture Club with music, but I've left it for the second half today. And uh, we ask everyone to admit to sort of the first piece of music that they fell in love with, which they bought or downloaded. You have gone for Sarah Brightman and Andrea Bocelli. Why? Oh, it just has some one of these fantastic memories for me. It was, I think, I don't think I personally bought it, but I, my mom definitely had it on cassette. It had, I remember its be- beautiful blue cover with the, the pair of them on it standing out to me for time to say goodbye. And I just used to, I was probably the most annoying child ever invented in the car, to be honest, Matt, because I would be, have it blaring out in the car, windows rolled down. And, you know, half of it is in Italian. So I, at the, you know, I didn't really know what I was saying, but I felt the emotion. I honestly did. And I even watched recently a clip of it being performed again. And it still has that amazing, that amazing emotional charge with me in those memories. So it's definitely a big favorite and I can listen to it over and over again. <laughs> Well, let's hear a little bit of time to say goodbye.
Sarah Brightman, Andrea Bocelli, time to say goodbye. But for your favourite album or band, you've gone for something way louder. And I have to say I approve as well. Why have you picked Muse? Well, Muse I started to get really into when I was in my teens. And I think the first album I did here was Origin of Cemetery. But the reason why I chose Harp, which is their live album, is because I've seen them so many times live. And it it is a totally different experience to see them live. They're just one of those bands that are perfect for big stadiums. They know how to do a show, even though they're big into their conspiracy theories, which I tend to just wash over or gloss over. Their music is really, really good banging tunes as they say and my favorite song from the live album is Night to Cydonia which is usually the song that they play at towards the end of their concerts anyway but I think at this stage I've seen them about five times in concert and every single time I have not been disappointed. Let's hear Night to Cydonia live. that that's a great so track good. Muse Knights of Sidonia and yet despite the fact that you've seen Muse so many times and they're a favourite band you did nominate something else for the best gig you've been at yeah I feel like it's a different totally different category of music as well I chose uh, Lady Gaga the Monster Ball tour which I went to in about 2010 I believe with my friends from college and honestly what I think it's what I love about Muse too but that that concert was phenomenally good because she is able to perform and most importantly live which is a big thing for me is that you could tell that there was no lip syncing going on throughout this entire performance she is an absolute natural when it comes to entertaining I just left that uh, we were that gig feeling absolutely exhilarated and we were also super lucky because we're at the very very front so i will never ever forget that moment <laughs> okay uh, i don't think we have a clip for that but let's move on to other things and your selection of a favorite tv show is definitely a first for the culture club here in the last word in today fm i have to admit i'd never heard of full metal alchemist brotherhood what is that 
Right. So I, I was figuring that this might be a first. <laughs> so this is an anime. So it's an animated series from Japan and it spans about 64 episodes. It's based on a manga, which is which is a graphic novel from Japan. And it follows two brothers, Edward and Alphonse, who at an early age show a talent for alchemy, which is basically science based magic. What's fantastic about this particular show is that it's a very accessible show for those who have never experienced an animated show. It's very... What's the word? It's it's universal in one way. It's it's super accessible, and what is fantastic about it as well, it's very true to the actual books, um, and it finishes. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I think that's a problem with a lot of TV shows these days. It was originally re- released in Japanese, uh, but it, they did a full dub of it, and the English voice cast are constantly praised with how good it actually was. Okay. Do I take it that if you didn't grow up watching television, have you tried to compensate for that since makeup? Do you think? I don't know. Maybe I, 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 maybe that could be the case. I think I used to watch a lot of Netflix, but I actually got rid of my Netflix account because I found myself Why? scrolling too much. Oh, I just found that I was wasting too much time, to be honest. So instead, I just got YouTube Premium and that suits me way better. <laughs> okay. I mean, again, what would you find in YouTube Premium that suits you better? Because there there might be a generation listening to this who think very much they've moved from linear television or they're moving towards having Netflix on their big television. But if you're doing it through YouTube, are you actually one of these laptop watchers rather than a TV set? Oh, I'm definitely one of the laptop watchers. Yeah, I don't own a TV. Um, I watch everything on my laptop through uh, YouTube Premium or I just watch um, streaming sites like TG Car Players and all of those kind of things. That's what I just prefer because it's more access- accessible and I, I also can walk around with my laptop, which makes it easier. <laughs> okay. And told actually, we do actually have a clip of that TV program you mentioned, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I don't know how this is going to actually translate to audio, <laughs> but let's have a listen. I want you to tell me who killed Maze Hughes. And I want the truth, homunculus. Tell me who's responsible for his murder. Congratulations, Colonel Mustang. You finally hunted down your culprit. Stand down, all of you. I'm dealing with him on my own. This one is mine and mine alone. You were stupid enough to confess, and even more stupid to boast. Everything you've said is fuel on your funeral pyre. So then, I think I'll begin. By burning out your tongue! I still owe you some pain and misery for what you Keep your eyes on me, Envy. Our conversation is the only one that should concern you. It's kind of interesting how quickly the tongue can be rendered to a bubbling grease surprising how easy it burns isn't it okay Unamin Kavanagh that's a bit over the top isn't it <laughs> uh, well to be fair that is from the final season of the entire show so it's a quite a yeah that's a quite a, an epic moment so without context definitely it seems over the top <laughs> okay what about movies uh, what movies would you pick out for us for the culture club in a, in a less dramatic fashion, Amelie <laughs> was my movie of choice by Jean-Pierre Jeunet. It came out in, in about 2001, I believe. It was one of those things where it was, you know, it was actually hard to pick a favourite scene to it because it, the whole movie is 
kind of touches upon simple pleasures because I think we live in a world right now where there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of things to do with our devices and I actually don't think that's necessarily a good thing. So it kind of tells the story of Amelie who has a a beautiful, vivid fantasy life that contrasts between her sheltered childhood and her adult life. And I really just love the colour schemes that they have. There is a beautiful green tint to it. The music is absolutely stunning. I actually did one of the musical pieces for my Leaving Cert many years ago. And just in general, the story is is so sweet without being syrupy. And I, it means it means a lot to me. Um, it's so it does. OK, it's in French, so we don't have a clip. Uh, Unamin Kavanagh, before you leave us, I, I do want to ask you, you first came to national attention, I think it may be going back as long as seven years ago. I remember having you on The Last Word at the time because you started a sort of a Twitter campaign against racism in Ireland, having had some bad experiences yourself. In the time since, do you think has Ireland matured and become better about dealing with people that some may perceive wrongly to be different? I think that we're moving on the right track. I think this year certainly didn't help because everyone was confined to their houses, meaning that they obviously had more time to be online. And with that, that gave a lot of people ammo to, again, feel their anonymity online. So it's hard to tell in comparison with previous years. But from that experience that and I remember being on the show actually talking to you about it, but it was on the up. I think that we're giving more opportunities to people who might not be stereotypically Irish or look that way. But this year has been has shown brought a lot of things to light that aren't as pleasant, unfortunately. Such as? Well, I just feel that when I at the very beginning of the pandemic, when around March time and I, I do all my work predominantly on, online, so it's live. I was getting a lot of messages, hateful messages who were just pointing out things about my skin color um, and again, glossing over the fact that I had an Irish accent or whatever. It's not something that I'd like to focus in on, really, but people tend to bring it up. And I just felt that it was one of those things that perhaps it was because that there was no school. People were at home. They just had too much time on their hands. So hopefully fingers crossed next year it might improve yeah but Unaming and I, I understand why you wouldn't want to go too much detail but you even said people at home in school that sort of worries me that do you sense that it can still often be younger people that we might hope that each generation becomes a little bit more attuned as to proper standards of behaviour and then you get disappointed by seeing that sometimes the worst things that are said and done are by younger people yeah I think to be honest Matt there's a a huge desensitization uh, going on, especially online. I see it on TikTok as a creator. I, I, I get a lot of messages that are very questionable in terms of why would they even be thinking that? And it does concern me. It really does. And I think that's not just to do with education at home. I think it also has to do with the social media giants because at the end of the day, the young people are on their platforms and it seems that they are favoring more time on the platforms rather than the people themselves. And that that's hugely concerning to me. All right. Well, look, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. It's been great getting your selections. I uh, hope you continue enjoying your time in uh, Kerry now that you're back down there. Uh, Unamin Kavanagh, thank you very much for joining us here on The Culture Club on The Last Word at Today FM. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Listen live on air from 4.30 weekdays on Today FM. Hi, I'm Joanne Bregan. I was a nurse but wanted to go into teaching, so I did the postgraduate diploma in education practice at NCI. The course was excellent, and everything I learned there, I definitely use now in my teaching career. When I see myself now, I see living proof that NCI really helped me find my path. 
On Wednesday, June 8th from 5 to 7 p.m., join us for NCI's on-campus open evening and learn about our full and part-time courses in business, computing, psychology and education. To register, visit ncirl.ie.